0: Welcome back to the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon. Today, we are joined by Megan Ferragasso. Megan specializes in custom nutrition and fitness programs for busy women. And during the interview, we discuss what brought Megan into helping women love their bodies, what motivation is, and what the best motivator is, how she starts every client with a metabolic reset, the foods she cautions against, and why how she treats women with thyroid issues specifically, the importance of making a program that results in behavior change easy to follow, the tools she gives her clients like how to order in a restaurant and not feel like that person, (laughs) why alcohol and weight loss don't mix and some of its negative effects on the body and the mind, the best exercise for weight loss and why and what to do to increase your metabolism. Now, at the end of the episode, make sure you visit drmichellegordon.com slash podcasts. That's with an S. So D-R-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-G-O-R-D-O-N dot com slash podcasts, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. Don't forget the S. Where you can find the show notes plus the links to the books and resources mentioned in the episode. Now, if you enjoy this episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you are always the first to know when each episode is released. And thank you for all the five-star reviews. I appreciate them. And if you have questions about the topics covered in this or any other podcast, I invite you to open a conversation with me on Instagram at Dr. Michelle Gordon. That's at D-R-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-G-O-R-D-O-N. I promise I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And yes, it will be me. <laughs> now let's go on to the interview with Megan. Thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement. So welcome back to the menopause movement podcast. Today I am joined by Megan Farragasso. Ferragasso, Megan Ferragasso. And Megan is a personal trainer who helps women all over the world to uh, get the body they want. So how did you get into this? Ooh, um, well, how
1: did I get into the nutrition side of it or whatever? Uh, well,
0: any side I of got it.
1: In, yeah, I got into um, wellness actually um, when I was really pretty young. Uh, I suffered from anorexia. And okay. I was hospitalized and through that experience, um, I had a awakening where I felt if I um, I kind of made a pact that if I was able to get out of, of the situation I was in, if I was able to be released from the hospital and not have any kind of issues with food again, then I would dedicate the rest of my life to helping other women uh, appreciate and care for their bodies. And so that's what I did. Um, and so I spent the rest of my life uh, learning how to educate myself on uh, nutrition and wellness and how to help other people in their journeys. And I think um, I happen to have be, been blessed at that time, too, with the, with, with the gifts, a couple gifts that um, happened to help me along the way with that ability to see situations um, by looking at pictures. Um, see scenarios that could be um, issues in people's bodies that, are, that they are not aware of.
0: Um, okay. So you said that you see from pictures mm-hmm. of women's bodies issues that they may not be aware of. And my question for you on that is, is that from experience or is that from intuition?
1: I think it's a combination of both. Okay. I think it's a combination of both. And I find that a lot of times what happens is the more dissatisfied we become with our bodies, the more we kind of connect, disconnect with them. And oftentimes we don't see things that someone like me coming into the picture can see as well. Because um, we often avoid mirrors and things like that. So we don't yeah. see how things are changing.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, you're still in your 30s, right?
1: Yes, 39. Yeah.
0: Okay, all right. So well, you're, you're, you know. <laughs> Yeah, Um, you know, because the average age of menopause is um, is is 51 and uh, I'm 55. And the reason I have you on is because the biggest uh, complaint, one of the most common complaints that I hear from women uh, is that I just can't shift the weight. And there's so if you are a woman who's struggling with her weight, this podcast episode is for you because we're going to talk a little bit about what. Some things you can do to to try to shift the weight. Um, for me, and and you know, I don't know if this is something that you see with most of the women you work with who are in my age group, but I find that if I don't do some exercise, and it's usually a combination of cardio and weights, I won't. It doesn't matter how much. If even if I decrease my calories, I won't lose much weight. I actually have to do exercise, and so I've taken to um, you know, I've got a triathlete triathlon coach who assigns workouts and I have trainer road and I have to see, I mean, i put this on my lives in the past. So if you've seen my lives, I I show people what the difference between what motivation looks like and what motivation doesn't look like, because when you don't do your workouts in trainer road, they're all red. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when you do them, they are green. And so, um, so we talk a little bit about the motivation myth and how, you know, motivation comes from actually taking action rather than, um, waiting for something to happen to us right sure so when 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 you work with women in in my age group um what's the first thing that you do with them yeah so i think uh,
1: uh, to the point about motivation one of the most important things is a lot of women have tried a lot of things and and to do things on their own and are very frustrated so it becomes very important that they feel a win because the best motivator is progress right so you're mm-hmm. able to see that you're, you're working hard and then you're seeing rewards for your effort so to me it's i start all of my programs with what i call a metabolic reset which is just basically it's a it's a quick win um so you're losing a lot of inflammation there's some fat loss but there's also a lot of inflammation that you're losing Seeing the, the numbers on the scale change drastically, which can, you know, is, is very motivating. You see a reward for your efforts. And also you're able to see how much your food affects your energy and your sleep and your, um, your joint pain and things like that. And we're also able to kind of reset some of the, the damage that I think has happened over time that just our lifestyles and, and living have, have created for us. So yeah, I always true. start yeah, so I always start with with that part of the process um, before I get into really customizing the program, and it's really important to see that there can be that instant that that win that that kind of keeps you motivated, like okay, things can change. I can make a difference. I'm not stuck here.
0: yeah, that's great. You said that whatever people eat, the food can affect the energy and um inflammation, and joint pain. Are there certain foods that you immediately get people off of?
1: Yes. I have found, you know, I didn't want to believe it for a while, um, but (laughs) I have found that for the majority of people, there is some type of uh, dairy intolerance so that the dairy causes some inflammation in their bodies. And the gluten, and I didn't, it's not even really gluten per se, but it's it's the, the bastardized wheat that has just caused all types of not just intestinal issues for people but joint pain and and inflammation in their bodies and inability to really thermogenically utilize energy properly Mm. and issues with um, skin all kinds of things that you know typically seem to be an issue
0: what I like to say about dairy is that it's the perfect food for a baby cow. Absolutely. And, and it interesting when, when you look at dairy, I mean, I, I'll still eat some dairy. I'll eat some fermented dairy here and there, but, um, what, what I, I, and the reason I do it isn't because it's good for me. It's because I really like it. Yep. And so I'll deal with those consequences when they come. Um, but it, as a, as, the the milk from a mother cow is designed to take a you know newborn cow which is what maybe 30 pounds to 300 pounds in a year or you know however much they weigh yeah and so as the as the baby matures the all the hormones in the milk change to increase you know the the type of milk changes and what happens is that and and what's really cruel to me because I've been to plenty of dairy farms is that you know they breed these cows and then they just immediately take the baby away from the mother and so it's it's really kind of cruel yeah um but then also you talk about the uh, you know the American version of wheat because Mm -hmm. it's really interesting I, I travel a lot and um when you go to France it's hard to go to France and not have pastries and you know, sugar and mm-hmm. uh, croissants and right. and those sorts of things. <laughs> baguettes. And, and yeah, baguettes and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and their butter, you know, even butter, which is dairy. But mm-hmm. the difference is that they don't cause the same types of joint pain because they have a different type of wheat and they don't have roundup ready grain like we do. Yep,
1: yeah. um, uh, And, that's, and sprouted wheat often causes less problems as well for people. But, you know, it's, a lot of my clients have autoimmune diseases. A lot mm-hmm. of them have thyroid issues, and um those clients in particular, I find that the weed is even more important
0: can you can you speak to that a little bit like so why mm-hmm. I mean you're talking about many of the women who have it's not like a an acquired hypothyroidism because they had their thyroid out. it's more of a right of a, um, Hashimoto's, like an autoimmune mm-hmm. thyroiditis yeah. mm-hmm. that, um, makes it so the body just because of environmental stuff, the, the, the body yeah. starts eats away at the thyroid and it's not as functional. Right. So, so what do you, um, what do you find for, for, for those women? A lot of them will say, uh, you know, I can't lose weight because I have hypothyroid. Um, but once you replace the thyroid with synthroid or armor thyroid or whatever, then you know you normalize the thyroid, you make them euthyroid, and they still can't lose weight. So how do you how do you address that?
1: Yeah. So the problem is that most of the time doctors will look at the numbers and they don't look at symptoms. So for me, I address symptoms rather than just looking at, well, my TSH is good. Oh, well, my T4 is good, my T3 numbers are fine, especially with something like Hashi's, where you're looking at it from the point of it's constantly going like this, right? So you may take a screenshot of it, like this little snapshot and then, oh, I'm, my, th- my numbers are fine today, but next month you're in hyper, you're in hypo. And so uh, what I find is that um, we, address, we address the symptoms. So if you are still feeling the lethargy and the, the bloating and you're having this, the brain fog and things like that, those are, it doesn't matter what your numbers say. It matters how you feel and how you're able to function your life. So we work on changing your nutrition in order to find what the right, the right macronutrients are for you, the right micronutrients, the way the foods that your body assimilates well so that you're not feeling, um, like you're, you know, underwater.
0: So you so you're, you're looking at, you're talking to women about their symptoms. So you're checking in with them regularly. Are they, are they filling out some sort of a form for you or?
1: No. So for my clients, I do coaching calls every week. So at the end of every week, um, we have a coaching call set up and we go over the wins for the week, the struggles, we go over energy levels, um, any kind of, reactions we got to talk about compliance level compliance being really important not so that i can shame you you know you know but it's so that i can figure out how easy the program is for you because if it's not easy then it's not sustainable right and so that way i'm able to change things to make it so that it fits into your lifestyle so that it doesn't feel hard so if you're telling me well i'm only able to be 50 percent compliant well it doesn't really matter if I'm on the ideal program for you. It's not sustainable for you. So it's too difficult, you know, whatever is going on. So we will change things to make it so that, um, you we can get the same results and we can, you can still reach your goals while, um, making it something that's going to fit.
0: Okay. okay. So, so, so when it, when it comes to behavior change, mm-hmm. um, you know you're saying that behavior change should be easy and that's something that that you know i've been studying quite a bit about and not only not only should it be easy but but you know when when we're wanting to make a big change in our lives is you know so so we have 50 pounds of excess weight that we want to take off or excess fat say i think one of the biggest things is to plan to make sure that we plan for temptations plan for when the failures are going to happen and how we we get back up and with, with your, you have group coaching calls, right? You don't do one-on-ones. I do one-on-one. You do one-on-one every week with each person. Yep. It's hard to scale.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, it is.
0: Okay. So, so you work one-on-one with people. You don't work in groups.
1: Uh, correct. At this time, okay. I, I've, I have tried to work in groups before and I found that there, there was less honesty. People were sometimes ashamed to mention in the group Something personal, or um, how they really were doing, yeah. and so they were less honest, and so I couldn't keep them as accountable. And so what I do is I take up on a much more limited amount of clients now, and I give them a, a higher caliber of
0: one on one. No, that's that's really good, and you probably get a lot of really good results. What I've done in in the menopause movement membership is that we have we have a, we have a we have group coaching calls every week but we also have the option to that people can upsell to a private coaching option mm-hmm. where they can access me via the pl- platform and so mm-hmm. it's very pri- it's private nobody else sees it but me and that person and so when they when they're afraid to bring up their very personal issues cuz we do a lot of a lot on behavior change and adapting to especially you know the changes that life brings us as we yeah. start to struggle with our de- identity menopause can be an identity issue um we don't you know we, we may have like all of our kids you know you just had a baby but but you know those those babies grow up and they leave
2: <laughs> and, yeah. And
0: it, yeah and it it makes us um you know kind of sometimes it can it can be really heart-wrenching for us to like find our identity after that and so um or or if there are skeletons in our closet of um you know, things in the past that have happened as uh, sexual abuse or domestic violence or things like that, that people don't want to talk about in public. And so they get the option to chat with me privately about that. And it's a much safer space and, um, and so they don't have to bring that up in the, in the private coaching. And so that's, that's one way that, that, mm-hmm. that we can, we can scale. So you, t- you meet with them one-on-one and you do your, you do your, okay, so I'm going to get rid of group coaching as I wrote down group coaching, but it's one-on-one. That's, I mean, Listen, if you guys want, want a personalized diet plan from Megan, um, we're gonna tell you, we're gonna hook you up in the show notes on how to get a hold of her. So one thing that I've noticed in my life, and I don't know what your experience is with this, but but when it comes to my mood, I've found that the more I eat things that are fried in a restaurant, the more, lot more, the more I lose motivation. And I've hooked, the use of vegetable oil with like my decreased moods. And I I'm, I'm a big proponent of like cutting out all vegetable oil because not only does it in, in it, it increases inflammation. Um, it disrupts our epigenetics. You know, there's, there's a lot of things uh, about manufactured oils that are just really bad. And, and you know, of course it's a, it's a almost uniquely American thing because, <laughs> mm-hmm. Because you know we're the, the the land, the land of the corporation and the home of the profit. Mm-hmm. So, so how do you how do you um, how do you address that in your in your program?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you can sometimes. What I also will do is I find that people will are pretty open to learning new ways of ordering food when they go to restaurants through an educational process. So a lot of times there's this fear of being the, the weird girl, right? The one who's ordering differently from their friends. Or so it, it's a certain type of social confidence that has to be acquired to ordering your food. Because to me, it doesn't matter if you're weird, if you're gonna be sick, like you have to, you know, people people have allergies to me. It's, it's a, for you, this is an allergy, you know, this makes you sick.
2: So yeah. it's really important
1: that you take take it like that. You understand that and you treat it as such. It's so, like, well, it's the holidays. Let me have some. Well, it's this. Well, I'm out to eat. Well, it's really, it's, this is your health. You know, um, you can't do what everyone else can do. So I, I go through a process of teaching how to order food in a restaurant and how to, that if they're willing to prepare food how you need it. And I think that that slowly that confidence can be built and and then um i have some clients who are will even start ordering for their friends (laughs) um, (laughs) because they become so confident in doing such i think that's that's a huge portion of it is people um you know i same thing with alcohol I, i alcohol a lot of people think well it's just the calories that are affecting me and they don't understand the hormonal effects the effects on their metabolism or their protein synthesis or things like that and so i give them tools of how you can still go out and be social and be in these environments and not have people question you you know have a a soda water with lemon and lime and walk around with that so people aren't asking well, why aren't you drinking <laughs> and you don't even have to have that conversation
0: yeah no that's that's really good um when, when you, when, you know, when it comes to ordering in a restaurant, one of the things that I learned quite a while ago is that a menu is really just a list of ingredients. And if you look at it as that, then, you know, remember you're the paying customer and they if you're going to tell them, look, I, I can't have this, I can't have that. You just tell them it's an allergy and they'll, they'll yep. accommodate you because they want your money. But let's talk a little bit more about alcohol because I, um, I, I don't drink now and I don't drink by choice because I found that when I did drink, it interfered with my spiritual progress. It, it was, that was really it. It wasn't so much about, you know, alcohol definitely is a weight loss killer without question. It, it, if you're gonna, it's, you to have a really hard time losing weight. If you drink, it doesn't matter if you drink vodka or brandy or wine, any of it is going to interfere with your, with your weight loss. But what, what I, what I did notice is that when I did have a drink, doing the meditation was was harder and the other thing i like to talk about is that you know i smoked a lot of pot when i was a kid i you know it was just the thing to do back in the 70s and 80s and um and and i when i was 15 it was great and then as an adult like in my 40s i tried it again and I was like, Oh, I hate how this feels. I feel so paranoid and awful. Yes. And I can, and, and, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, I feel like a teenager. This is not the way I want to feel. Yeah. And so it's really a no brainer for me. I don't smoke pot because I hate the way that stuff makes me feel. Yeah, absolutely. I do like, I, I do like CBD teas. I like the CBD honey pops. You know, I mean, if I'm, if I'm having a little bit of pain, I'll, I'll use a little CBD. Um, but mostly I, I it's, it, I, you know, I, I do it because it's kind of a fad now, not, I, I don't know how much relief I get from it. Um, but, you know, we, yeah. we, we, we sell CBD oil in the, in the, in the clinical office and, and people swear by it for pain and that's great. I mean, um, but it's, it's just not, I don't, and actually I did a whole podcast with a CBD person about how, you know, CBD for menopause. But when it, when it comes to alcohol, I was like, you know, I really like how I feel when I'm drinking. I get kind of happy and giddy. And then I go to bed and I wake up when the alcohol has gone. So it completely disrupts my sleep. And I feel completely awful in the morning, like awful, like, like, you know, I, it's like, I lose the whole next day. So for me, it was like, it was kind of a no brainer. It's was like, well, I'm not going to drink now because there, it, it's, it's just making me feel horrible, but it, and it was, it was just one decision that I made but it's it the, the problem i think with alcohol is that it's there's so much social stigma around it and if you don't drink mm-hmm. um, people people think that you're doing something wrong and i think we're seeing now a new trend of you know alcohol free bars and 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 that sort of thing but right. but we have to really have a conversation about alcohol and open open up people's minds about the fact that you know it's not good and the reason why they put it on in the movies and the TV is because they want to sell alcohol. The same reason why people smoke, we know smoking causes cancer and people smoke on the TV because I mean, I think, you know, they, they want to they want to show people doing something. And so there's a way on the TV it's doing something with their hands that, that makes it interesting because if you're just standing there like a lump, it's kind of boring. So they're doing things, they're drinking that, you know, but, but at the end of the day, nobody, Drinks the way that they drink on TV and movies, and if they did, they wouldn't look the way they do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? Yeah.
1: yeah, absolutely. And it is a neurotoxin, and I think we don't give it as much power as it has. You know, it's not just like you said; it's not just while you're drinking. It doesn't. You don't have to be doing inappropriate behavior while you're drinking or things. But you know, I know for me, even as I get older, said, so the brain changes, and we respond differently to things. I have like alcohol induced anxiety the next day. Nobody wants that. That, that affects, like, the, it affects everything in my life. So it affects everything that I'm going to do the next day or maybe the like, next couple of days. Why would I willingly poison myself? You know, like, um, it is very interesting. And, and the same thing, I have a lot of people because depressants have, um, depressive episodes after, you know, drinking and they, they don't associate it because when they're drinking, they're not depressed, right? But, it's the after effects. And sometimes it takes a while to make that correlation and put two and two together. So it it is, it's fascinating. And I think I'm, I'm glad that we are having more discussions about it because it is thought of as this TV makes alcohol so sexy, right? It just, it just,
0: yeah, Yeah. the
1: sexiest thing you can consume. (laughs) But in reality, it is, it is not, it is not like that.
0: Yeah, I challenge right. people to to, uh, to drink a beer every day for, for seven days and, and see what happens to your body, you mm-hmm. know, it's, <laughs> or don't. I mean, it's, it's like the equivalent of, of drink, You know, eating a, a, a loaf of bread, you know, almost or half a loaf of bread every day if you're going to drink a beer every day. And, and, you know, we all know what happens when you drink, when you eat bread. I mean, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, so yeah. one of the things I saw uh, one of your videos and you were uh, in a grocery store buying pork rinds. So are you primarily keto or paleo or cuz I think you were talking about keto on that on that mm-hmm. video. Mm-hmm.
1: No, uh, I am not. I don't prescribe to any diet. I have different clients that have different needs. So every every client I have is it's individually custom diet like nutrition programming. And I have clients that are more insulin sensitive than others so we have a we keep you know they on a much lower carbohydrate diet than other clients but i definitely don't prescribe to any kind of overall diet like the keto or the paleo or right
0: like that are you still eating pork rinds
1: um i don't eat pork rinds often no <laughs>
0: <laughs> my dogs eat them <laughs> we put them in the dog food but um you know they're 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 tasty and they can fulfill that crunch, but they're still very calorically um, dense, mm-hmm. you know, yep. but at least, at least you're, you're frying it in a natural fat. Let's see, you know, the one thing. So mm-hmm. as, as, as um, Dr. Kate Shanahan likes to say the, the nature doesn't make bad fats. And so we like to, we like to tell people to use natural fats and not, not those manufactured fats like cotton seed, cotton seed, oil and, you know, the stuff that they use at McDonald's, you know, after, after one use of that stuff, it's, it's toxic. It's just, yeah. just awful. So, um, so what's your onboarding process process like? I mean, do you, do you have people go through a, um, like a, a, a survey or a quiz or, or something to find out where they are right now?
1: Yep. I, um, send a preliminary questionnaire uh-huh. and, um, find out all about, um, what their goals are and what they're looking to accomplish, you know, where they've been, what they're dealing with, what kind of uh, limitations they might have, um, how ready they are to make a change. And uh, then I, I set up an initial uh, call. And that's just where I kind of find out if and how I can help them. So we delve a little bit deeper in their goals and, and what's really going on. Then a questionnaire actually covers. Um, and then from there, I do a second call with them just to kind of explain if I think that they're what I recommend for them or, or who else I want to refer them to that I think would help them better. And that's pretty much yeah. the
0: downloading that's, that's kind of a neat, a neat process because you're able to um, get them you know, kind of where they are and and get an idea of their true motivation, and that's it's so important when it comes to behavior change that you that the the benefits outweigh, the um, the benefits of change outweigh the benefits of not changing, or else you know you you're never going to change, and and you know for those of us who you know have, have struggled uh, with our weight over the years, uh, one of the things I've realized is that I. I've said just this once for the last 15 years. And so just this once can become, you know, this, this habit that, you know, well, I've got this, this party and that party and this, you know. And so just, just having, um, having the, the motivation in a sense or the, the impetus for change and seeing that, that we, we can, I mean, seeing that you can do it is, is, the, biggest, is the biggest step, I think. Yeah, it's really important. And
1: it, it creates a confidence, a type of confidence that then is unshakable and then allows it. Well, if I can do this and I didn't think I was capable of doing it, it happens in the gym too. You know, I didn't think I could ever run t- you know, one mile and I could run one mile when I, when I tried, you know? So now what else could I do that I didn't know mm. that I could do, right? And so then I'm just overcoming those, those small goals that we set and then we're able to realize what else could we do that I just didn't even attempt doing because I didn't think I could do.
0: Right. So, so we're, Bring what we're out. doing in, in these, in these changes is we're, we're busting all these limiting beliefs that we have created by, you know, throughout, throughout our, our lives by growing up. And yep. then there's this big ripple effect that can happen when you take a risk on yourself or you invest in yourself. I think the bigger issue is that women um, for some reason Women don't invest in their education as much as men do. And we see, we see women, um, you know, in, in, in need. And, I, you know, obviously we have businesses around this, both of us. And it's like, well, we can help you. But then, then, you know, what I see a lot is that women will say, well, it should be free because it's menopause. And I'm mm. like, well, if you don't pay, you don't pay attention. Yep. You know, women who pay, you know, people who pay pay attention, and and you know, the transformation starts with the transaction. And so, there's you know, if 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 you're somebody who doesn't want to invest and you want to consume free content, that's great, that's why we have the podcast. But if you really want to make a change, then you know, taking action and joining the the menopause movement membership or calling uh, Megan and going to her website, which is what envy this body. I love that. Um, and and setting up a call with her, you know, that's, that's how you make a change. That's how you really get started. Um, But you know, we all have to make a living. (laughs) So I love how you check to see if they're ready for a change. And do you do any sort of like blood testing? Do you work with their doctors at all? Do you ask them to go and check their hormones?
1: That's a great question. Um, I often, I do have them do a metabolic panel, full metabolic panel with with their Mm -hmm. doctor and send me the results for that uh i would like to eventually have a um, and, and because i you know it, and it, it works best that way because for them to go to their doctor because it i do have clients all over the country and some outside the country and other countries as well so it works out um then usually they do. Pretty simple to put in a request, get a metabolic panel, and then send me the results.
0: Right. Well, that's really cool. So, what is your? Um, do Do you have like nutrition training or? So I have um, some certifications, but most of it is just um, experience,
1: self taught. Um, I have education in. Um, I have about pretty much as many certifications as you possibly can get.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> And then let's talk for a second about exercise. Because diet, we know that diet is, you know, 80 to 90% of the formula. And when it comes to weight loss, we have to really pay attention to our diet. You're a macro counter. Not everybody counts macros. Some people just count calories. But at the end of the day, you know, there, there's, there's a couple of schools of thought, right? There's the there's school of thought that says that as long as you don't eat toxic foods, it doesn't matter how much you eat. Um, and then there's, there's another school of thought that says, you know, it doesn't matter what you eat, if you want to have diet soda and things like that, as long as you keep your calories down. So before we talk about exercise, let's just address that for one second.
1: Sure. I think it's not either all or nothing. Um, you can disrupt your hormones by eating toxic foods. Um, and so it, it does matter what you eat. Um, however, also the amount that you eat matters Um, you can't eat copious amounts of healthy food it then becomes unhealthy because if you're over consuming calories you will still i were i actually have a lot of um board certified nutritionists who come to me because they understand nutrition but they do not understand weight management right and um, so there's trying to get all of your micronutrients in your food is one thing but then if you still don't understand how portions and calories in calories out calorie expenditure and thermogenesis and things like that you still will have an issue with weight which we still know causes health problems
0: yeah right okay so so you so you actually are calculating tdde and all of those things for them yeah okay and what so let's talk about exercise because one of the things that happens for for some women and I and I'm one of them is that I can do cardio all day long and I don't get sore. And and I I, you know, like I said, I I I have a triathlon coach. I he, he assigns the workouts. I'll do you know these hard bike workouts. I'll do hard run workouts. I'll do swim workouts. But the minute I start picking up weights, I get, I'll, I'll I'm great for the first two days, and then by the third day, it's like I can't move. Delayed onset muscle soreness, okay. and and it's I mean it's bad. It and 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 then after. I would say after about two weeks of doing consistent weights that i'm okay and, and and it's not so bad but but it is so uncomfortable like if i do yeah. you know 50 squats with a 30 pound kettlebell and then 20 you know like two days later i can't i can't sit down to go to the bathroom
1: yeah <laughs> so your nutrition can make a big difference with your the recovery process and that i've found this does reduce the downs and any kind of muscle soreness not just the delayed onset but any type of muscle soreness when you're able to have a really good recovery meal quickly after your your workout you're recovering better you don't keep becoming so you're not catabolic consistently after your workout for a long period of time so you start the recovery process and the anabolic process quickly after your workout you're able to recover faster you have less of that soreness
0: All right. So just just for the audience, um, catabolic is muscle breakdown and anabolic is muscle building. And so when we when we do a lot of weightlifting, we're, we're causing little micro tears to so that we can build more muscle and as you know, afterwards, uh, as Megan said, you want to make sure that you eat the right kinds of foods for recovery. There was a fad there where people said to take a lot of BCAAs afterwards, and that would help with DOMS. And now I think BCAAs are kind of falling out of, out of fashion so much. Yeah. Um, the latest research I've, I've seen is that a woman after, uh, you know, an intense weight workout, or even an intense cardio workout should have about four ounces of protein. Um, and I don't know, are you still, are you, is that something you agree with or?
1: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And then often I still, so the still recommend a a carbohydrate as well, which I like, I like banana because it's full of potassium. It's high glycemic uh, in terms of, I mean, it has more glucose than fructose. So it's better for muscle recovery, but the protein piggybacks on the back of the carbohydrate and can shuttle into the muscle for faster recovery so you do get more a a better recovery with when coupling the protein with a carbohydrate
0: i'm going to try that i'm going to try like how i I don't i don't eat a lot of bananas Mm uh because i i find that there's there's two foods that if i eat too much of uh i tend to gain weight and one is dairy and the other is you know carbs and -hmm. so i don't eat a lot of fruit and i don't eat uh you know i don't i try not to eat much dairy uh, yeah. unless, it's fer- unless it's fermented and then I'll have like a tablespoon or something of sour cream or maybe a yeah. little cheese like once in a while. So, so this, this is interesting because I could have like half a banana, I think, mm-hmm. and, and some yeah. chicken after, yeah. after a weight workout and, and we could see if that would work.
1: <laughs> yeah, it will make a big difference. And it's, it's your body utilizes the carbohydrate different post-workout than it does any other time. So you're not getting the same type of um, your body Having this insulin response and trying to store it in your liver or your fat cells, yeah, it's because your your body's so depleted of glycogen after your workout that it's gonna um it would just help the recovery process.
0: Yeah, that's good. So, how do you feel about like? Do you know who Steve Finney or the Finney and Volek are? They wrote uh, the uh, okay, so they they wrote this this really interesting booklet um, called. Uh, let me think if I can remember the name of it. It's it's about. Uh, low carb performance, basically. So Finney and Volek, and I can't remember the name of the book. We'll look it up and make sure we hook it up in the show notes. But what they did was they took a bunch of cyclists and they put them on a very low carbohydrate diet, and then they mm-hmm. measured their performance and found that you know they're so these these guys are eating um, you know a lot of natural fats and yeah. and and natural proteins. So they're still a way you know not eating a ton of uh crap food right this is good yeah. food these are professional cyclists yes. and what they found is that is that these low carb low carb high fat a- athletes had more stamina and they never bonked yes. they never bonked because they were yep. able to there's enough. 40, 40 calories available you know even to an athlete who is who has you know six percent body fat at any time yeah
1: so that's a fat adaption. So they're already fat. So it would take a couple of weeks to become fat adapted. And, um, once they become fat adapted, your body starts utilizing, it's sort of like the, you're utilizing the fat for fuel very efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that case, when you're delaying the, your, and your human growth hormone usually increases testosterone can increase, but it's, you have to be fat adapted for that scenario to work. Which can take way. Some people it takes a lot longer than two weeks, uh, and right. everyone's different. So if someone that doesn't regularly eats moderate amounts of carbohydrates and then they decide to just go have no carbohydrates the next day and do it on a long bike ride, that's not going to work for them.
0: Right. Yeah, um, that just t- 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 does take time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it takes time, and and you know, there's there's you know, ways to check your, you're looking for ketones in the blood and there's ways Mm -hmm. to check that. And, and the, the thing is, is that it's not easy to maintain. I think I've done it. I I did that for several years, months, I guess at a time. And, and, uh, you know, I'd have the purple strips and the, uh, you know, and the high ketones, ketones of like Mm -hmm. 1.5 to two and, and they'd be higher after a run, they'd be in the fives. But the, the bigger issue was this like, there are things I like to eat, you know i like I like oat bran, which is low glycemic, but you know can fill you up. and i like I like bread here and there. and just one piece of bread can ruin your ketosis for two weeks. yeah, and so so it's it's you know I, I mean i'm not I'm not a professional athlete. It doesn't matter you know whether I have carbohydrates or not. If I were a professional athlete, I would probably be a fat adapted athlete because I feel better. My brain feels better when I'm fat adapted, but yeah. I wouldn't. You know, and now I know something. Oh, I don't care. Right now, I'm I'm just counting calories and trying to. You know, I gained 20 pounds between May and uh, July. So right now it's it's December. This is going to probably not air until February, but um, but I've been you know I've been religiously counting calories and mm-hmm. you know not so much macros but counting calories so that I don't I don't gain any more weight and yeah. hopefully we'll drop the extra that I gained and a little more. Yes. Yeah. You know yeah,
1: it has to work for you, you know, yeah, yeah
0: I mean it's it's not i I, I tried not to count calories I didn't want to, um mm-hmm. but then I found I wasn't having any change, and so i I sat down and I said, okay what what do people who are successful do?
1: You can't measure and it, you can't manage it
0: yeah, yeah, so mm-hmm. I just I like, okay, this isn't working. what's gonna work? I've got to change my behavior and and so that's you know that's what worked for me, but yeah. um yeah. So I think that um, you know, if I want to say that you know, for anybody who's listening to this podcast has been struggling with their weight, uh, you know, give Megan a call. I'll give Megan a go. Go to go to uh, envythisbody.com. And again, I I, w- I wanted to before we do that though, I wanted to hear from you about like what kinds of exercises do you prescribe? Because you know, I think I think a lot of women who are who are thinking about losing weight. Are afraid of exercise?
1: Sure. So I always lean on the side of resistance training. Uh, not only is it good for bones, our bones, um, but it's the only thing that really will transform the metabolism. So when you have the exercise post-oxygen consumption, which means if you're on a treadmill running for about three to five hours afterwards, you're going to be burning extra calories. Because um, your, your body is going, your metabolism is going to be elevated. When you're doing a resistance training, because of the repair that's needed for your muscle recovery, it's going to be 24 to 36 hours afterwards that you're going to have an elevated, after the activity, the exercise, that you're going to have an elevated metabolism. So add that to the fact that every pound of muscle that you put on your body, you're going to burn an extra 50 to 100 calories a day when you're sedentary, let alone when you're working out. It allows the body, you know, you can get away with eating a couple more calories here and there and still stay leaner if you have just 2 pounds more of muscle. We're not talking about putting on massive amounts of muscle here, but just a couple pounds. I mean, as we age, our because of our hormones, we we have to work harder at keeping that muscle mass.
0: So, women are afraid of weightlifting because they don't want to get bulky can right. we bust that myth real quick
1: sure yeah because we don't have testosterone we're not going to put on massive amounts of, of mass mm-hmm. muscle mass but you're know, just suggest so putting on two pounds of muscle or even maintaining two pounds of muscle because we would naturally atrophy some as we age because we become, become more sedentary, so kind of combating that with some resistance training, we're keeping two pounds of muscle, which allows our metabolism to, to burn at a higher rate. So we're burning maybe an extra hundred to two hundred calories a day, every day, um, just by having that muscle mass on our bodies.
0: Yeah, that's 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 the key, and and we do make some testosterone, you know, even after and menopause. Remember the uh, the the ovaries do make some testosterone but we don't have the same amount as men that's why yeah. we don't have as much yeah. facial hair right. and uh, body hair although we could argue that menopause causes mustaches but anyway all right so listen if you guys want to if you want to have an individualized plan to uh, shape your body and get into the best shape of your life then check out envythisbody.com set up a call with Megan and um she's gonna she's gonna hook you up with uh, with a brand new body in which will be pretty fun. And uh, that's great. Thanks so much for being on that part of the menopause movement podcast, Megan. I appreciate it. Thank you. you so much, Dr. Gordon. All appreciate it. Right. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon. And I wanted to take a moment to share what one of our community members has achieved since she's been working with me. Amanda has had an amazing transformation. Amanda was struggling with joint pain, hot flashes, forgetfulness, sleeplessness, weight gain and an angry mood. In addition, she lost her confidence and self-worth as menopause crept up on her. Since joining the menopause movement membership, Amanda's quality of life has improved in ways no one could have predicted. She has truly transcended the symptoms of menopause and is now living her best life. This is what I want for everyone in the community. Take a listen to Amanda's story. I just want to show you what's possible when you join the community and do the work. Transcendence is available for you too. Now here's Amanda.
2: Hi, my name is Amanda. I am 54 years old and I live in the UK. At this moment in time, I'm in a fairly good place in my life. Recently, I've lost 18 pounds and I feel healthier and more content than I have done in a long time. However, it hasn't always been this way. Back in October 2011, I had an accident which resulted in a serious injury and surgery and subsequently changed my life forever. And over the next few years during my recovery, menopause crept up on me, but I didn't realise what was happening straight away. I started suffering from more joint pain. I went from always being cold to feeling like I was going to internally combust several times a day. I was getting really forgetful. My sleep pattern was terrible. I piled the weight on and looked pregnant and I felt angry all the time. When things were at their worst, I felt incredibly alone and very down. I lost my confidence and self-worth and I felt completely misunderstood and confused about what was happening to me. I received very little support or information from my GP and there was limited information on the internet but what I really wanted and needed was someone to talk to. The turning point for me was at the beginning of July 2019 when completely by accident I came across Dr Michelle Gordon's Facebook page on the menopause movement. At that time she was doing daily live streams and I started listening to them. I related to a lot of what she was saying and I was really interested in the variety of topics about menopause that she was talking about, the alternative ways to manage menopause symptoms in a more natural way and how your mindset is the key factor to transforming your life more positively. I was also really interested to listen to the other ladies in the group and what they had to say, ladies who had been or were still suffering from similar symptoms to me how a lot of them have been able to manage their symptoms much better and how they have turned their lives around and embraced menopause instead of treating it like a demon. Although nervous about taking a risk to join a group I didn't know, I knew that I couldn't and didn't want to carry on living my life the way I was and feeling the way I was feeling. So I made a decision that I too wanted to learn more about menopause, how to manage my symptoms better and most importantly, learn more about my mindset and the fact that I needed help with change my outlook on life in order for me to get it back. Life is nowhere near perfect, and some days I still have my struggles. But on the whole, I can honestly say that I am in a much better place than I have been for a long time. And for my down days, I understand better how to manage them so they don't get out of hand. I am now on a journey with a fantastic community of like-minded women, all of whom continue to support each other no matter where we all live. And I no longer feel confused, misunderstood, worthless or alone. For me, this group has been both a lifesaver and a life changer. And most importantly, the one-to-one private coaching sessions that are available with Dr. Gordon as part of the membership have been invaluable to me. They provide me with an opportunity to discuss more difficult and private issues that I am struggling with and an opportunity to find solutions to address them. Without doubt, I can wholeheartedly say that I owe Dr Gordon and her group everything for showing me how to take my life back and, more importantly, take control of it. Joining her membership has been the best thing that I have ever done. However, this course is not for everyone. If you're looking for a quick fix that doesn't cost you any time, money or effort, then this is not the group for you. But if you're in a similar situation to how I was not that long ago, feeling desperate and at the end of your tether, but are willing to invest in your own future happiness and peace of mind, but are unsure as to what to do? Ask questions and talk to Dr. Gordon. And if you choose to take that leap of faith, you won't regret it, because who wouldn't want to take their life back if they had the chance?
0: If you are feeling like Amanda, you're not alone. There is help for you in the Menopause Movement membership. I want to help you transcend your symptoms and live your best life. To discover how you can become a part of this life-changing community, go to (music) MenopauseMovement.com.